Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mekaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 444 with Stacy Ingle. Stacy is talking about fierce conversations. She'll learn one, why pointless conversations are at the root of many business problems. Two, how to have more efficient team meetings. And three, how to handle strong emotions when communicating. If you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we've referenced, it's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep444. And I hope you'll also share your advice with us at awesomeatyourjob.com slash advice, in which I got a little survey going on. And if you could spend 12 minutes to share what you need to hear to make the next couple hundred episodes all the more amazingly, usefully, wonderful to you, I'd love to hear from you. That is awesomeatyourjob.com slash advice. And I much appreciate you. Now, here is Stacy's story. As president of Fierce Inc., a global leadership development and training company, Stacy Engle is obsessed with helping Fierce clients stay ahead of the curve. A strong innovator, she's always connected to clients, emerging trends, and new opportunities. Stacy's forward-thinking approach to sales and marketing reflects Fierce's commitment to enriching lives and creating community one conversation at a time. She relishes her role in bringing people together to have the conversations they most need to have. Big thanks to Stacy for sharing her wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no, no. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Here is Stacy. Stacy, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Well, I'm really excited to dig into, into this conversation. And I understand you're excited about show tunes and musicals. What's the story here? Well, music does move me. There's a joke in my friend group that if I could have a soundtrack of my life, I would definitely have one. I love music. And yes, I've been a part of that board and other boards and efforts with music and theater. And are there any particular shows that uh, are, you're really near and dear to your heart? You you sing the songs often? Well, I guess from just being somewhat stereotypical in, in the community, when Hamilton came out, I was definitely singing Fool for the music there. Oh, fun. I've yet to see it. And uh, I really want to. And I just somehow think I'm somehow going to get a free ticket from someone somewhere, but it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> you know, I'm all for manifesting in this okay. universe. So maybe one of your listeners can help <laughs> you out there. You know, I have received uh, unsolicited gifts from listeners, uh, which is appreciated. Not that I'm soliciting right now, mm -hmm. listeners, for the record, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's happened before and I appreciate it each time. So good stuff there. Well, now I want to hear about your company, Fierce. What's the, the main gist of, of what you're all about here? 
Yeah, so we believe that the root cause of most business problems is pointless conversations. So we are a company, a global training and learning company that helps people really have those conversations that lead to results. I'm intrigued by the phrase pointless conversations right there, because I recently had a guest who talked about in, in building relationships, it's, it's great to, as he said, have a thousand conversations about nothing, but they're not really about nothing. They, they serve to build a relationship. So, so, but what do you mean by pointless conversations? Well, what we mean is conversations, oftentimes people do not realize they're the most accessible tool that you have going through your day. So as humans, we're, we're really navigating our lives one conversation at a time. So when you aren't thinking about the intent and the content of your conversations and also your intention, you're really missing the mark. And I think we've all had the experience of sitting through a meeting that we all knew that we weren't talking about the real issue or being with someone and not really feeling like you could share. So a pointless conversation is one that does not have intention and structure and a goal involved. So when we think about pointless conversations, think about the team meetings that aren't really discussing what really needs to be talked about or the coaching conversation where you're talking all around the issue. Uh, those are pointless conversations. So our goal is really to help people talk about what matters in a way that's skillful and in a way that's intentional. Okay. Well, that sounds very important. So I'm excited to to have this conversation. And, and so when your company is called Fierce and, and Fierce Conversations is, is a phrase you use frequently, you got, there's a book associated with it. Uh, what do you mean by a fierce conversation? So the definition is a conversation in which you come out from behind yourself into the conversation and make it real. I come from behind myself. Yes. So coming out from the masks you wear, coming out from all of the reasons why you don't think you can say what needs to be said, come out from those and make the conversation real. So there are four objectives of a fierce conversation. One is that you're interrogating reality. So this idea of you're getting curious about what's going on Two, you're provoking learning. So not just provoking someone else's learning. You actually want to learn. You're tackling tough challenges, which means not putting off what really needs to be talked about. And then the fourth is enriching relationships. Okay. Gotcha. And so is it your philosophy that a business conversation should always, you know, do one or more of these things? Yes. Okay. Well, I like that. Yes. Yes. All right. We're upping the standard here. Oh, I'm just imagining a lot of conversations right now <laughs> and then thinking about the extent to which these things occurred. What's your hunch in terms of the proportion of business conversations that are checking at least one of these boxes? Well, let me back up. So the goal is that a fierce conversation is really achieving all four of those. Okay. So we're going to learn something new. So interrogating reality provoking learning we're going to tackle a tough challenge and what's most important is we're going to enrich the relationship when we're doing it so that's kind of the foundation of what is fierce and that feels very theoretical but but the idea is let's think of an example of just you're going into a meeting with an idea if you want that meeting to be a fierce meeting you are going to walk in with the intention to get it right 
for your company, for your team versus being right. Okay. I like that. Getting it right for people, stakeholders, as opposed to being right, like, you know, I'm right and you're wrong, or I am I am validated that the idea I had is great and therefore I feel smart as a result. Exactly. And we've had some previous folks associated with the landmark education draw a distinction between are you more concerned with being right or, or with things working? And and I, I found that helpful. And this is is even more punchy, I would say, in its <laughs> articulation. You know, being right or, or doing right for doing it right for these people or getting it right for these people. Right. Getting it right versus being right. So it that's a mindset piece. And then there are are really skills to make sure that you are really hearing from others, getting curious because you only have one perspective and your perspective is one (laughs) and it's not the truth. So your goal in that meeting should be to hear everyone else's perspectives and to really provoke learning on everyone's side and tackle what we need to tackle. And then in the end, enrich the relationship. Okay. Well, well, that sounds like a lot more fun to me than your, your average business conversation. So maybe could you, I want to dig into the how in a moment, but could you perhaps paint a picture in terms of a case study of, of how a client organization of yours did some stuff and they saw their conversations become more fierce, more frequently and, and what sort of performance gains they saw as a result? Absolutely. So one of our near and dear clients, we love them, Christus Health. They're a healthcare system comprised of about 230 hospitals and clinics, and they employ over 45,000 people. And as you know, healthcare is very complex. They found themselves falling into the trap that many organizations face, which is becoming a culture of nice. Mm-hmm. And associates had really mistaken the value of compassion and the value of service with avoiding difficult conversations. So people, many leaders weren't giving feedback because they didn't feel it was compassionate and they were scared to give that feedback and nobody was really sharing those insights. And, and what was at stake there were many associates were not growing at the level that they needed to. So Through discovery, it was determined that a lot of these conversations were missing and we needed to build this skill set. So Fierce was brought in at the leadership level and we really helped them work proactively on feedback, on coaching, on confrontation, and really building a common language where these tools were accessible and helping arise potential issues before they formed. So Christus Health was able to achieve a 50% reduction in executive turnover. Oh, yeah. A 36. Yeah, we like that. 36% internal promotion increase. So those associates were really developing. So, all right. So the results are there. That's really cool. Let's talk about how to do it. So uh, what are some of sort of the, the top things that we should start doing or stop doing to see some of these results? Absolutely. Well, so we know six conversations that are often not as powerful as they could be in the workplace. I always like to start with three. One is that team conversation I was referencing. So this idea of how do you have a more compelling team meeting? And is this actually answering 
more tactics. Oh, sure. Well, there's six kinds of conversations. And so you're going to tell us how to have them. Yeah. So there are six kinds of conversations. And the three that I always love to share with all audiences, because we can really, really all relate to these. One is the team conversation. So the idea of how do I run a team meeting where people are really engaged and they are laying out reality without pointing blame and sharing from their perspectives, how can we move forward on this particular opportunity or issue? The second is a confrontation conversation. So this is when you and I know something needs to change, how do we best approach that topic in a way that does those four objectives? So interrogating reality, provoking learning, tackling a tough challenge. And we actually feel like our relationship is enriched by having that conversation. And then the third is feedback. So feedback is a tool that we constantly need to use in our everyday. And one of the pitfalls with feedback is many times people write the script of the meaning of actions. So for instance, if I see someone talk over someone, I may think to myself, this person is being rude or doesn't really respect X person. And our feedback conversation is very much about not writing that script. So you stop at behavior and you would have that conversation with someone asking them what was going on Mm -hmm. versus putting the meaning and then also what's at stake attached to those actions. Okay. That's a really handy tip right there when it comes to the feedback is to not interpret it for them, what that means, and and then assume and and cause all kinds of problems. So that's great there. So then when it comes to those team conversations and confrontation conversations, what are some key ways to have those go all the better? So confrontation is all about preparation. We have a 60 second opening statement. So this idea that you really need to frame the issue or challenge in 60 seconds, because the other person, when they're hearing this, will most likely have a fight or flight reaction. So you want to lay this issue or challenge out in front of the person and ask and invite the conversation. So it's all preparation Mm -hmm. and confrontation. Okay, that's a great. Succinctly being able to share. And and one thing that often gets in our way is we wait and wait and wait right. until it becomes too much. Mm-hmm. And then we have so many examples of why X needs to change. And the reality is in an effective confrontation conversation, you're only using one or two examples. Oh, that's great. So you can't bring in all of your emotional baggage. And another thing. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, and we've all, I mean, we call it the dump truck. You Uh know, like I'm just going to back up and (laughs) unleash more and more reasons why this is true. And it really can curtail that conversation. So we want to stay succinct. We want to be thoughtful and prepare. Okay, so could you maybe give us an example of of a 60-second opening statement? That is a great question. Yes, I can. All right. (laughs) And you must prepare for these conversations. Uh, Taken. So an example would be, Pete, I want to talk with you about the effect your leadership style is having on the team. Oh, thank you, (laughs) Stacy. I want to share two examples. One, I saw... When you were in that meeting, you rush out of the room and you ripped the flip chart off of the <laughs> paper and crumbled it up and you seemed pretty upset. 
So that's one example. Another example is some of your team members have expressed concerns about canceling your one-on-ones and canceling some of those conversations. So this is very important, This your leadership style to the success of the company. And a lot is at stake for both of us. The contribution I have to the problem is I might not have brought this up as soon as I should have. Mm-hmm. And I really want to resolve and support you. Tell me from your standpoint, what's going on. Okay. I, I like it. So we got those ingredients there in terms of this is what we're talking about. Here's a couple examples. This is why it matters. And, and I'm in the mix as well. It's not all you, 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 I, I'm in there. And so then it, it's kind of open-ended with your, your final question. And what was that again? You said, tell me what's going on. It was, you said it better. <laughs> yeah. From where you sit, what's going on for you? Mm-hmm. Because I want to resolve how your leadership style is affecting them. Yeah, that's good. So what's going on for you is, is nice and, and broad. And it's, it's not as accusative as what's your problem? Uh, why can't you get it together? You know, it's what's going on for you. And th- that could get, go anywhere from, Hey, you know what? I'm going through a really rough time with, uh, got two kids and I'm sleep deprived and I, and I get kind of edgy, you know, in that kind of situation to, Oh, I had no idea. I guess when I was an investment banker, that was fine <laughs> yeah, in, in that culture. Oh, you're saying it doesn't work here. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I would, I would argue that it's never really fine. So yes, once you do the 60 second opening statement, your job is to really inquire about your partner's views, to ask questions and get curious and really dig mm-hmm. in for more understanding. And then What's very potent, and when I talked about conversations need to drive results, there needs to be a resolution. So we need to talk about what have we both learned, how are we both going to move forward, and make an agreement and then hold each other accountable to it. Okay, excellent. And so then how long might that whole conversation take? It can vary. (laughs) And the goal is that you could have this conversation in 30, 45 minutes, even less, if you're prepared And it's really, really powerful once you have this tool and it is a common language in organizations because destigmatizing confrontation Mm -hmm. is very important. I mean, the reality is we're going to have challenges. Things are not going to go as we wish. And confrontation is actually less needed once you have more of these other conversations like feedback, coaching, team. Mm -hmm. So... Confrontation is when feedback hasn't worked. So it's gotcha. not like you should be having confrontation conversations every single day. And there's not a perfect equation depending on <laughs> what situations you find yourself in. I, I hear you. But that's useful to know that it could be 30 or 45 minutes or less because I think some people fear it's like, oh man, if, that we're going to be getting into it for a half day. <laughs> rumble. It's so true. Yep. Uh, like, no, it, it's often pretty quick. Well, and what I think is, is something I really like to challenge others is those missing conversations, the ones that you keep saying, well, if the sun is this direction and the music is playing just right and I have this much time on my schedule, you keep justifying those missing conversations. Those are the most costly mm-hmm. in organizations. They really are because the reality is, is Everyone understands that people are busy and time constrained. So you need to be clear about your intention, also your time frame. So it's okay if you 
only have 45 minutes. And if there needs to be a follow-up conversation, then that's mm-hmm. okay. But the, the goal is that you begin because there's a lot of justification to not start. And that's really ineffective. Understood. Well, well, that's really handy. Thank you for those. And how about on the team conversation point with regard to being more engaged? So we have a strong position that you should not have team meetings with so many people that not everyone can participate. So a team conversation is all about addressing challenges, opportunities together as a team. So if this is true, we need every brain cell and every viewpoint necessary to make the best possible decision. So for team meetings, we are not big proponents of having people who won't participate Mm -hmm. be in the meeting. So we want to hear from every single person. And if you don't want to hear from that person, then they shouldn't be invited to the meeting. Okay. And I imagine then there's, do some numbers pop up with regard to, hey, at this point, it's, you're at risk for having some non-participators. If you cross the threshold of, I don't know, six people, or or is there a guideline you have in mind? Yeah. So we, we typically say six to 10. Okay. Would be max. And I mean, this isn't taking into account company-wide meetings and all hands and communication (laughs) meetings. We highly endorse those. But this particular team conversation is when we have an opportunity, we have a challenge, and we really, really need to solve something together. Okay. So so that's one key tip then is to ensure that it's not too big. You know, it's a manageable size. Everyone can participate, have a piece of it. Any other tips for how to have great team conversations? So... Another tip for a team conversation is preparation as well. So we make an analogy with a beach ball. So this idea that everyone sits on a different stripe in the beach ball. So Pete, if you were in marketing and I was in finance, you may be on the red stripe. We don't like finance being in the red, but (laughs) let's pretend red. um, You may be on the red stripe and I may be on the purple stripe and we may view an issue very, very differently. And it's very important that we have facts and preparation beforehand because the team leader needs to come in and the goal is the team leader has prepped every single person with what the issue is and relevant background information so that that leader can really gain all stripes, like all perspectives. Mm -hmm. So that preparation is important. And I just wanted to give that tip around the beach ball because it's that visual metaphor of really thinking through everyone has a different perspective. And if you are going to walk into a meeting to get it right, not flaunt what you think we should do, you must gain each perspective. That's great. Thank you. Oh, go ahead. The one other tip is at the end of the beach ball meeting, the piece that's super powerful is each participant basically absorbs all of the information that has been discussed. And then the task is for each person to say, if I was the meeting leader, here is what I would do. All right. So it really is so insightful to gain other people's insights, not just from their particular perspectives, but also how they have interpreted and how they've assimilated all of the perspectives. Well, that's great stuff. And I'm liking what you're saying with regard to you just not assuming you've got the answers and being curious and making sure we get all those perspectives there. Uh, I'm also curious when it comes to conversations where 
you do have an intention to persuade, and maybe this is a little bit of external facing stuff, you know, maybe it's about sales or, or something. Uh, how do you think about those conversations? Okay. So our coaching conversation is a great sales tool. It's all about mining for clarity and helping coachee or someone you're wanting to really help surface what the true issues are. Mm -hmm. And when you want to persuade or you want to connect with people, because I think a lot of persuasion or influence is really connection with a greater purpose or a different path. So that coaching tool, mining for greater clarity and being able to surface what's really going on is amazing for persuasion and influence. Certainly, because you've got the connection and you understand what's really going on. And so you're able to sort of make the connection all the more clearly associated with, hey, well, this this service or, or whatever, it will address those. Now, you mentioned clarifying, which is something I want to cover because I saw that pop up a number of times on, on the Fierce website. What are some best practices in terms of, of asking great clarifying questions and getting to clarity in your conversations? So we make an analogy with in the coaching conversation that questions are really the drill bits when you're mining for water (laughs) and you'll experience different layers. And the idea is that you want to have a whole cadre of questions that you use in different circumstances. So when you're asking what's going on for you or something that's very broad, our tip is to ask what else three Mm -hmm. times. All right. So the idea is most of the time when someone is sharing the issue. So if you open a conversation and say, what's the most important thing we should be talking about today? The first thing they share may, it's often not the real issue. So you want to help someone clarify for themselves. So asking more questions Asking what else, what else, what else is a discipline Mm -hmm. because it can be so tempting to give advice and to jump in or ask leading questions like, well, have you ever thought of dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So clarifying is really about being intentional and having a practice to say what else, what else, what else. And then another tip for clarification is just repeating back which many Mm -hmm. of us, I feel, were taught when listening. But the reality is many of us are not great listeners. And having reminders or cues, so if this is an issue for you that you like to jump in or you don't ask as many questions, it's great, especially if you're on a video call or a phone call, to have a visual cue, to even write on a post-it note, what else, what else, what else, just to remind yourself to really dig deeper. And and I'm curious if you talk about the, the drill bits analogy and mining and, and what else, you know, I guess I'm imagining what else can, can often shift us laterally or, or to the side. Um, but you're saying what else can also get you deeper into the given matter? Both. Okay. So what else is one great one? And well, what else would you recommend in terms of great clarifying questions? Well, sometimes when you ask someone This happens a lot in meetings. If you ask someone, well, what do you think? Mm -hmm. Sometimes people will say, I don't know. Okay. And we really encourage you to say in not a snarky tone, what would it be if you did know (laughs) or go there with me for a moment? 
I really want your input. All right. I like that because I don't know usually means I haven't thought about it or I'm not yet comfortable telling you what I really think about it. Exactly. So that's a great practice to clarify and also to learn. Mm -hmm. And the other great clarifying questions. I think when you're helping someone work through an issue, it's very important to have emotional attachment and people will really have different reactions and emotions to talking about emotions in the workplace. Mm -hmm. So questions regarding what do you feel about this? So for instance, when you consider all of these outcomes that are occurring, what do you feel? That's so important to ask because we are emotional. We make decisions emotionally and then rationally, (laughs) like we rationalize our emotions. So asking what do you feel in situations really can help move an individual and move a situation forward. And the big clarification there is not saying, how does this make you feel? Which is a very victimizing spin Mm -hmm. to that question. You really want to ask, what do you feel? Because you want to keep accountability for all of the emotions a person experiences. Okay. As opposed to the thing is making you feel this way. It's just like, what do you feel? Exactly. As a response. Okay. What do you feel versus how does this make you feel? We always want to put people in positions of power and not victimhood around situations they're in. So that phrasing, how does this make you feel is more of a victim statement instead of owning the answer to what do you feel? Oh yeah. I like the distinction. That's very helpful. And I want to talk about emotions here. So a lot of what makes these conversations tough in the first place are those emotions. You know, you're scared, you're angry, you're confused. These things are are there. And, And so how do you recommend just sort of internally with your own personhood and brain and feelings, do what you need to do to have those conversations? Well, the conversation with self is key. Preparation, the idea that you really sit back and frame, what do I want to accomplish here? What am I trying to say? (laughs) And writing it down or speaking out loud. However, you need to work through those emotions or anger or resentment. You need to figure that out. And, And having tools like a framework, whether it's Fierce Conversations framework or other conversations framework, those tools really help you work through those emotions and give you confidence that, you know, all of us need to have these conversations. This is the human experience and no one's going to die. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, so although we may, because of emotions, our bodies may go there, (laughs) it may feel like someone may die, but the reality is there are so many marriages who have, that have been saved by having the conversations that need to happen, so many lives and lives and companies, their trajectory is completely changed because they had that conversation that really mattered. And sometimes as we well can't as even careers, predict. Yeah. yeah. And we can't even predict what those conversations, when they will have happen, what those conversations will exactly entail. So that's why it's so important to just, if you have emotions around a situation, that's a good thing. Yeah. That means you care. That means there's something at stake and being able to step back and reflect on that. That's key. 
Okay, I, I dig that a lot. So no one's going to die. We have some some comfort there, and and indeed the the conversation can be saving. And we had Kim Scott talk about radical candor earlier on the show, and you know that that's kind of her story. It's like, oh boy, if I had this conversation earlier, I wouldn't have to be firing this person right now. There's a real light bulb there associated with the the benefit of of going there. So let's say, okay, you've done your work. You've you've kind of take some time to to think through your your goals and and maybe a, a framework and then you're just about to step into it any sort of pro tips for the presence or or the emotional management so that you deliver it well in terms of you're you're not kind of angry or timid or or, or kind of anxious and, and putting out weird vibes that you know impede the effectiveness of the conversation well one tip is absolutely to prepare that preparation should mean that you're grounded at least going into the conversation that's square one i think being transparent with the person that this conversation is a hard one for you okay yeah is important oftentimes we like <laughs> we like to just i don't know what's the phrase fake it until you make it mm-hmm. there's a certain level of necessity i understand f- for those scenarios and when it comes to conversations that are super important and central to your success or central to your happiness being able to step in say my intention here is to explore this with you it is not easy mm-hmm. for me and when you learn our frameworks we often encourage leaders so for the listeners out there when you're trying a new framework or you're trying something new there's absolutely nothing wrong with saying i'm trying this and just that humanity i think really can help squash the nerves oh thank you and are there any other kind of you know magical phrases that you find yourself saying often or you recommend often? We've covered a few, you know, like what else? Uh, what are some other things that you find can be said frequently and, and sure are helpful when you say them? Well, from a leadership perspective and even a peer perspective in your career, there can often be times we're taught as as coaches to have checklists and check in with our team members. So are we getting these things done? Have we followed up on these, these items? Are we investigating something new? Whatever is on your checklist, checklists are great. And in today's labor market and in today's current state, (laughs) it's very important to not rely only on a checklist. So one question that we really love is to ask, Given every single thing that's on your plate, what is the most important thing you and I should be talking about today? All right. That's good. Any others? Well, oftentimes there's a slant to action, which I love. <laughs> if you do strength finders, I'm an activator, oh, which me means too. I do like starting things. And uh, one question, instead of saying, what are next steps? You can ask, what is the most potent step you should take? So that sounds very similar. But this idea of helping someone sequence and say, okay, given what we just talked about, what is the first potent step that you need to take or we need to take as a team? And then what's next? So just helping break down the sequence of that can really be effective. That's just a tip. Oh, thank you. Well, in as we wrap up, I'd love to hear, are there some things you recommend 
uh, not saying or conversations that uh, ought not to be had? Well, we'd like you to delete but from your vocabulary. Okay. We want to say and. So when you think about the team conversation or multiple perspectives, the idea is we want to say this is true and this is true and this is true. When you use the word but, it often discredits. So I liked your idea, but we already looked into that. Mm -hmm. Or, oh, that's a great way to think about it, but Stephanie's already doing this. All right, yeah. It's a mental shift. So really deleting the but and replacing it with the and is really important. Right, and that works frequently as I think about that. Hey, thanks so much for mentioning that. And Stephanie's already started looking into it. It's like, oh, okay, well, I'm encouraged. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's like, all right. And and the same point is made, you know, associated with, all right, so I don't have to do anything else because Stephanie is, is, is running with it and, and I, I'm feeling better about the exchange. That's cool. Uh, well, Stacy, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things. Well, I think oftentimes people will say that they don't want to have the conversation because it will take too long or we don't have enough time to have the conversations you're talking about. And I just really want to make the case for the quality of conversations versus the quantity. So this idea that we can be intentional and know that there should be a beginning and a middle and an end to a conversation and that it's a tool that can get us to the next level in our career. It can shift something for us. That idea, it's very important to pay attention and engage. All right. Thank you. Well, now could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? So I love Anise Nin's quote, life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Mm, thank you. And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? So I tend to refer more frequently to questions than studies. So one of my favorite questions is given everything on your plate at this very moment, what's the most important thing we should be talking about today? And through that, I hear a lot of studies. Okay. And how about a favorite book? A goodie and always a favorite, Tribes by Seth Godin. And how about a favorite tool, something that helps you be awesome at your job? So Headspace, my meditation, having the right mindset is key. And that's been a challenge for me. So it's great to have a tool. Okay. And a favorite habit? Working out every single morning, even if it's for 15 minutes. And is there a particular nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate with clients and, and listeners? Uh, you get what you tolerate. Okay. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? So our website is fierceinc.com and my handle is at Stacey Engel. Okay. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? I do. My call to action is to write down three people in your life who are central to your success or your happiness and decide what conversation you need to have with them and by when. All right. Stacy. thanks so much. I wish you and, and Fierce all kinds of luck and, and many meaningful conversations. Thank you, Pete. I totally geek out when people who study an area in great detail come up with a tiny little distinction you can just install for life. So I'm talking specifically about particular word choices that Stacy was mentioning to, to scrap the phrase, how does that make you feel from your vocabulary and to replace it with, how do you feel about that? 
So that's a subtle language shift, but really helpful in terms of empowering people so they don't feel like victims, like, yeah, that made me feel this way. I'm powerless to experience that. Likewise, when you are, are asking people, what's up, you know, or instead of saying something like, what's your problem or what's your deal or, or why can't you get it together? You'd say, hey, this is what I'm observing. What's going on there for you? Is good stuff. Good stuff from Stacy. I really appreciate those little word tweaks. You can just use them forever. Again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep444. If you haven't already, I hope you'll punch subscribe. You'll catch our next guest. It's Stephanie Evergreen. She is a master of charts and graphs. We are going to talk about which one is best and why that matters a whole lot in the next episode. Hope to catch you there. Peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.